0: everybody welcome to another episode of murph's boston sports talk i am your host james murphy and before we get into anything if you haven't checked out my um starting quarterback quiz for the 2020 nfl season that's only on youtube i strongly recommend go checking it out it's pretty fun a little embarrassing because apparently i can't spell and also it just kind of generates a little um competitiveness between all of us um football fans and see what you can get I was able to get a something out of 60. I'm not going to tell you. And um, you'll just have to watch and find out what I get. And you can take the quiz yourself beforehand to see what you score. And then maybe we can have a discussion. Um, so just definitely check that out real quick. And I just kind of want to mention that before we get into anything else. That video is only on YouTube. It's a YouTube exclusive. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And it's going to be the most recent one besides this podcast. So definitely go check it out. Um let me know what you think of it with a comment, a like, whatever. And um hopefully we can chat a little quarterback because quarterback's the most position in football, the most important position in sports and it's definitely something that uh is going to generate a lot of discussion this off season for a lot of teams. So before we go any further, let's just jump right into this edition of Quick Hits. Quick hits. So I want to talk about in my in this segment of Quick Hits, Quick hits. I want to talk about the Sunday that's coming up championship sunday between the tampa bay buccaneers and the green bay packers for the nfc and the buffalo bills versus the kansas city chiefs for the afc the nfc game between the bucks and the packers are first at 305 so we'll talk about that and what i want to really cover in this segment is um sports betting i mean I'm not endorsing sports betting. You can do that under your own discretion. But I do kind of want to talk about the odds here for uh, these two games because they're quite interesting, uh, quite frankly. And um, so the Packers are favored to win at minus 175, according to Vegas. And the Buccaneers are underdogs at 155. Now, both teams are playing electric football right now. I cannot excuse that fact. But the Bucks at uh, plus 155 is not a bad bet. I mean... They're a really good team. Brady knows how to play in the cold, being in New England for all those years, or all those decades, I should say, right? So he knows how to play in it, but the question is going to be, how does Mike Evan adapt, and how does that defense adapt when they're used to playing in warmer weather down in Tampa? And obviously the Packers are well used to the cold weather being in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers um, definitely included in that. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting battle between a cold climate team and a warm climate team, but it just gives it a little extra juice because Brady's been a, a cold-climate quarterback all his whole career, pretty much. So he knows how to adapt. It's going to be interesting to see uh, Fournette, Mike Evans, Godwin, like I said, the defense, to kind of adapt. And if they can, I think they can really pull out this win. And I can definitely talk about more, more about this on Friday as we get closer, but the Bucs at plus 155, according to Vegas, is not a bad bet. And then again, on the over-under side, Fifty-one points. That's a lot. So to simplify that, that's you're looking at a score of twenty-six to twenty-five, just to make it nice and tight. I think both teams could easily score thirty. The Buccaneers were able to score thirty on the Saints' defense, which is very, very good. And I know I mentioned last time on Monday that the Packers' defense is probably as good as it's ever been in a long time, probably since their Super Bowl run over a decade ago, and. 51 points can come very easily for um, both teams combined. Both teams can put up 30 points, you know, on a flick of a wrist, and I really would hammer the over on this one. For a playoff game, cold climate, you know, that could be very questionable, but we've seen Rodgers and Brady put up big numbers in the cold, in the snow before. So that's definitely something I'm also going to be hitting as well, along with the Bucks at 155, or plus 155. And then the spread. They're giving three and a half points to the Packers here, which isn't expected. Um, those odds for the Packers at minus three and a half are even, and the Bucks winning by three and a half, uh, being favored by three and a half, I should say, is minus 120. So it's it's really a toss-up in, in terms of the spread. Is one team going to win by a field goal? Is one team going to lose by a field goal or four points? So it that kind of starts to develop that whole over-under thing in the math there to the most easiest way to um 51 points might be 27 to 24 or 31 to 20 and now you're looking at over that three and a half point threshold which i think could be and most likely will be the difference in this game it's not going to be a two point or a three point point affair i think it's definitely going to be over that four point uh threshold there so those are my thoughts with the NFC Championship game in the world of Vegas. However, let's scroll down and look over to the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs, who are playing at 640 on Sunday. They have the, um, the primetime game, if you want to call 640 primetime. It all depends with Patrick Mahomes. It really does. Um, if Mahomes is good to go, how good is he going to be to go? um concussions are no joke I'm hearing reports that he may not even have a concussion but the way that he kind of got up and stumbled and you know his eyes he looked like I mentioned in Monday he looked like he was in Canada playing Super Bowl 72 or whatever it is so it's definitely something to keep an eye on and I probably wouldn't bet on this until we know more about Mahomes what his status is because if he's not good to go then the Chiefs are gonna have to play Chad Henney who is no Patrick Mahomes of course and that kind of just brings the question of would you rather have a 20 30 40 percent mahomes or would you rather have 100 percent chad Henney? if i'm looking at it right now i would obviously take the the mahomes the weather is 20 percent mahomes but you just got to think about the long term for the chiefs here i mean long term they have a nice fat 10-year contract signed with mahomes and do you really want to jeopardize that for one sunday um against the Bills when you have a whole decade ahead to look forward to head injuries are no joke. And this is something that needs to be taken very, very seriously from the Chiefs organization. And I think they will take the appropriate measures to um, be accommodating to Mahomes' injury situation. I don't think they're going to jeopardize him or his career or the Chiefs' investment for that matter. And I think if he's not able to play, I don't think they'll play him. But you never know. So looking at what we have, for the numbers from vegas right now which we have to consider which obviously could change depending if mahomes is ruled out or if he's ruled in but as of now as it stands on wednesday we have to look at the numbers for what they are and um let's see the chiefs are favored to win at minus 155 and the bills are plus 135 so i'm assuming these numbers are with mahomes out um both teams are very hot right now. The Chiefs, you know, I mentioned them last time on Monday that, you know, they were playing really good offense without turning it on. Um, and when they turn it on, there's on a whole nother level. I don't think any offense or even any defense can keep up with them. But the Bills, man, the Bills are really good. And there's something to definitely take seriously in this game with or without Mahomes. If Mahomes doesn't go, then I would definitely hammer the, um, the Bills money line here. I just think they have what it takes. I think they got that defense. They got that swagger on offense. And it's just something that, you know, we just haven't seen from the Bills in a while. And they're trying to prove everyone wrong. I mean, they haven't won the division in um, almost two and a half decades. They haven't won a playoff game in so long. And now they're on their way to the first Super Bowl since like 93 or whatever. So it all revolves around the Mahomes situation. But even if he's in, how good is he going to be? So I still think I would take the Bills money line here. But... If you're on the fence, just try to watch the injury report to see Mahomes' status. Over, under, 53 and a half points. If Mahomes is in, hammer the over. If Mahomes is out, I'm going to say hammer the under. And Chad Henney, as well as he filled in for Mahomes, he is no Mahomes. So that offense will take a step back. And the Bills can put up points just with any of them. So. I just, I don't know if it's a cold, it's going to be, you know, freezing cold game in Kansas City, what the Bills are obviously used to, but it's just going to be very interesting to kind of see how they play at Arrowhead with fans in the AFC Championship game, which the Chiefs are kind of used to hosting now, being the third time in a row. So, over, under, that just depends if Mahomes is in. If he's in, like I said, hammer. If he's out, under. Um... If he's in, hammer the over. If he's out, hammer the under. And then the spread, looking at the spread, the Chiefs are minus three points. And the spread for the Bills are plus three points. I think it's going to be probably a field goal touchdown game. I don't think it's going to be like a double-digit affair. So somewhere between the three to seven points. So if the Chiefs win, I think it'll be by either a field goal, six points, you know, three, four, six points um, if the Bills win. I think they're going to win running away with it. So it's just a different mindset to have with who you're looking at, who's going to win. So like I said, let let me recap if the chiefs win, I think it's going to be a one possession game. If the bills win, I think they're going to win running away just because of that whole momentum. People are counting them out. They know how to play. Well, they're going to play their game. They're going to take advantage of the chiefs who have either a 20% Mahomes or a Chad Henny at quarterback. So both games have something interesting to look forward to. Both games have a lot riding on the line for both teams um, involved in each AFC and NFC game. It's definitely something to keep your eye out and something to look forward to. I want to know what you guys think. If you're listening on YouTube, comment down below what you think. Um, if you're placing any bets, who do you think is going to win? Um, over, under, just let me know what you're feeling and you know, let's start a discussion. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google, wherever, get at me at Twitter at Murphs underscore Boston ST or on Instagram at Murphs, boss, uh, Murphs underscore Boston ST. So I want to hear what you guys think about the AFC and the NFC Championship game as we approach Championship Sunday. It's going to be a crazy, crazy two games. The one I'm really looking forward to is obviously that Bucks Packers between Brady and Rodgers, which I'll indulge more on friday but let's get in to the topic box here we go i need to have like a little like a little uh like a voice over for the topic box like i have for quick hits where it's like quick hits. topic box i don't know it should be like high pitched should be low pitched i don't know but i'll figure it out i'll figure it out for friday here we go all right First topic of the day. Come on. Here we go. Ooh, Benintendi on the move. So this is a Red Sox topic here. Um, Is Andrew Benintendi on the move? Um, Well, we saw what they did with Betts, the Red Sox did with Betts. They had one year left of arbitration, but they moved him, and they got uh, a package, call it. I mean, they got Verdugo, they got Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong. It's not really a package, but Alex Verdugo, younger, has gotten – some good comps to MLB stars, so I like that player right there. Jeter Downs, eh, second baseman maybe. Um, and then Connor Wong, who's a, a catcher who can play, he can hit a little bit, but was he really going to be? Maybe the backup or the hair to um, Christian Vasquez, we'll see. I was all in favor of trading Mookie Betts, as much as I hate to say but if we were going to get the package that we got, I would have spent against trading Mookie Betts, which is a a huge if. So now let's take a look at Andrew Benintendi here. His contract is coming up soon. He has um arbitration through this year. He has arbitration next year as well, but in 2023 is going to be an unrestricted free agent, which there's already rumors spewing about Andrew Benintendi being traded in a similar fashion with Mookie Betts or how Mookie Betts was traded. Now, it sucks when you homegrown these uh, young stud players and they turn out to be extremely helpful and successful um even in winning a world series which they did in 2018 but you know there's always a financial decision that needs to be made here and you know Benintendi is making a lot less than probably what he should be making but as we look over at his stats he is on uh I don't want to say a decline, but he is struggling. I mean, we look at 2019, he did struggle significantly. I know he was, you know, flirting with the leadoff position, uh, leadoff spot in the order, which really didn't work. And then as they bumped him down, he significantly played a lot better hitting in that two hole or even when he was down in the six, seven hole. 2020, granted, it was a crazy year for just about everybody. And for the Red Sox, they sucked as a whole. But um, in the time that Benintendi did play, before he got shut down for the season, he did not perform very well let's just be honest so if you're uh, a team uh, the GM of a team just let's say the I don't know, call it the Royals I don't know say you're the Royals and you're looking at them and you're like okay young guy got a year and a half left before he's coming up not a rental not an investment kind of the same thing I was talking about on Monday with the Bruins situation when there should be looking for a uh, forward or defender on the top lines But we're looking at Benintendi here, and he's really declining. Um, He's only 25. He's going into his age 26 season. What team's going to want that? Well, a lot of teams, actually, because of his age, because of his contract situation, where that year and a half is actually a lot more valuable in baseball than it is in hockey. and he's, right now he's playing for pennies uh, compared to what he should be worth. But, you know, if he keeps going on this track, he's not going to be worth much for, to any team, um, Red Sox, Royals, or whoever. So that brings the question is, should the Red Sox trade him? Now, why would they trade him? Do they have someone in the wings waiting? Yes and no. I mean, they brought in Hunter Renfro. They have Jaron Duran, who they had up a little bit last year, who's a nice, I'm big on him. I think he's going to be a good stud. They have Bradley Jr. They got Verdugo still. Um, I just don't see the benefits to trading um, Andrew Benintendi right now, especially because, excuse me, he is a fan favorite. People love Benny cheeks, People love the flow. The girls love the flow that Benny has when um he was single and he had the long hair. Girls were all you know, oh Benny, Benny, Benny. And then when he shaved and he got a girlfriend, they were like, ah. And um, so that just. That just invites fan interaction with the players. Um, Mookie was a fan favorite too. And then when they traded him, they're like, well, you know, what the F? So the Red Sox really had to consider that, you know, the fans a lot in this decision as well, especially having a miserable and abysmal 2020 season. Now, I put COVID aside. I told myself that I'm not going to attend any Red Sox games until they figure it out. Because the end of 2019 was very upsetting. And I get it. Things happen. Um, you can't get in the playoffs every year. And that's not the reason why. But then they approached the offseason by doing absolutely nothing. All they did was trade Mookie Betts. Got a few pieces back, which they got an underwhelming package. And they didn't fix the um, the bullpen. They didn't fix the rotation. So I'm like, well, if you're not going to put in the effort, then why am I going to give you my money and put in my effort as well? Especially when they raised take it ticket prices by 1.5% across the board the start of last year now granted there was no fans last year so that that mindset's going into this year that if you're looking at tickets from 2019 expect to pay more in 2021 if and when fans are allowed so the same thing this year is they didn't do anything in the bullpen or in the rotation they didn't bring any studs they didn't bring any pieces i mean you got the Padres here for trading for anybody that has thrown at least 7 innings in their life. My goodness, they just traded for Joe Musgrove now for a "quote unquote package. And um I don't know about you, but you know, why can't the, I know the Red Sox can't be making all these moves that the Padres are because they don't have that farm system. They don't have those resources when they once did, but they don't anymore. And I understand that, but you got to put in the effort. They just brought back Martin Perez, who they probably should have re upped on his option at the beginning of the offseason, but they just don't really care. And then they were like, oh, crap, maybe we should probably bring him back because he was very productive and a fan favorite. People loved um, Perez Day. So I think trading Ben would be a terrible, terrible decision. You're going to be losing a lot in the lineup when he knows how to play and he plays well. He's an excellent hitter, he's um, excellent defense. He can he plays left field very, very well. He's versatile. He can go to center where he's naturally plays. He's got an arm. And he can hit um for contact. He can hit for a little bit of power. So it's just like you, know, you have like a four tool player almost. I mean a low five tool player, low end five tool player, where you can hit, run, throw, catch, and hit for power. It just, where do you see the benefit? If you're getting an absolute haul for Andrew Benintendi where you get that two of that team's top 10 prospects and you get two more top 25 prospects, okay, then go for it. Especially when two of them are pitching arms. One of them is maybe a outfielder and then another is, I don't know, first baseman or whatever. That's the only thing that the Red Sox should be considering is a four-player uh, four player return. Where all four of them in the top 25 of that that team's um, prospect pool. Other than that, I wouldn't consider it because you're going to be losing way too much value there. Even when Benintendi sucks, he's still a very good defender. He can come on at any point. The fans love him. The girls love him. And you just don't want to get the backlash that you get like you did with the Mookie Betts trade. And if I'm the Red Sox, I would be trying everything I can to fix that, especially after having the season that you just had last year. Plus... Ben Attendee's contract's not up till 2023. So if anything, we should be having this conversation about trading him next year. But his value is its highest now than it will be next year because of the contractual situation. Whew, okay. Let's, uh, That was a lot. That was a little rant that I went on, but it's just, you know, like I said earlier, I'm passionate. Baseball's my favorite sport, so I'm going to be more, you know, really engaged and very you know um motivated by the topic i guess to talk about it because you know i do care about it a lot um not that i don't with the other sports which let me clear the air up i do but it's just like everyone has that one sport that they truly love for me it's baseball and i know i mentioned last time that baseball is a dying sport so i was more passionate and more more caring about that topic because i don't want to see the sport die and fall off a cliff and, you know for you and maybe football or maybe for the next person it could be hockey or basketball everyone's different and that's okay that's cool that's where the conversation and the the discussion kind of generates from is what we're passionate about which is one of the reasons one of the many reasons why sports in general is awesome it's the greatest thing out there And another reason why I wanted to start this podcast so we can talk, uh, generate discussion about sports, which we all love so dearly. All right, next topic. Ooh, okay. This is a topic that um, actually is a good follow-up from the YouTube video that I did that I posted yesterday. um, The 2020 starting quarterbacks for the NFL for all there was 60 starting quarterbacks in the NFL last year at one point or another, and the topic is. Um, Heineke shines in wildcard game. And why is that a topic of discussion here on a Boston sports talk? Well, he was an ex Patriot. He was indeed. He played for the, he was on the Patriots practice squad for three weeks. Ooh, three weeks. But here's the thing. The Patriots don't have a quarterback and it's really, really ironic that you look back at a guy that uh, couldn't even make your starting, um, 53-man roster or your 46, 47-game uh, day roster. And um, there's this guy that was on your practice squad uh, last year or two years ago, whenever it was, who shined for the football team. He absolutely shined and thrived playing in a playoff game against Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you can't look back on and be like, oh, this guy's on the practice squad. Oh, he could have been the starter this year. Um, that's just you know hindsight, and you had no idea that he was going to play this well. Well, I think Taylor Heineke played himself into a potential starting quarterback position. Now, I understand that it was just one game where he shined primetime. I understand that. But in a league where you can make an argument that two-thirds of the NFL need a quarterback, two-thirds of the teams in the NFL need a quarterback, and you can obviously exclude some of the teams that have a stud, such as Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, whichever team ends up with Deshaun Watson won't need one. Uh, The Packers uh, um, with Rodgers, and then the Seahawks with Wilson. There's probably a couple more. But in a league where good quarterback play is at a premium, where it's the most position on the field and the most position in all of sports, let's be honest, I think a team that may have sucked last year and needs new blood wouldn't be a bad idea bringing this guy in. Have him fight for the starting position. I mean, I'm sure he'll be relatively cheap. It's not like he played himself into a five-year, $150 contract. Absolutely not. But he he's proven himself to play, uh, shine in one game, and I'm sure there's a little bit of film on him. I'm sure there's some reports about him of what he can bring to the table and such, and those teams need to do that research. But if you're, say, the, I don't know, say you're the D- Detroit Lions and you want to move on from Matthew Stafford, or bring in someone to kind of kick Stafford's butt a little bit and be like, hey, let's get this thing going, right? What's so bad with Taylor, uh, Taylor Heineke being the backup there? Or like I said, jogging for the starting position. Washington obviously still needs a quarterback. I know they uh, they just released uh, Dwayne Haskins a couple weeks ago. They still have Alex Smith contract for next year. They can bring this guy back next year because he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So it's like, this dude balled out on the biggest game of his life on the verge of forcing overtime, on the verge of winning, and he fell just short. But looking back at it, he was playing a great Bucks defense against Tom Brady, so it was hard. And you can't really expect him to do what he did, but he did it. And you ain't got you didn't get anywhere close to that kind of quarterback play with Cam Newton this year or Jad Stidham or any of the seventeen starters that the Broncos threw out there. So, I think there's going to be a good discussion off of Taylor Heineke's start. And granted, it was only one game that he played and shined in. But it's like, what's the problem with that? Like, I mean, quarterbacks, like I said, are at a premium. And if there's this guy that has the capability of shining against a good defense... And your quarterback, your current quarterback sucks. Then why not take a chance on him? And I don't know what kind of offers he'll jog out there. What kind of offers um, teams will be interested in putting in on him? But like, like I said, maybe you're the um, the Lions. You're on the fence of moving on from Matthew Stafford. There's not a good trade out there, so you bring in this guy to compete with him to see who can win the job out of training camp. Then you um, either keep Heineke or you trade Stafford. If Heineke wins the job, who knows? These are just discussions that have been made based off of one game from from an ex-practice squad player in your New England Patriot team. So, like I said, you can't look back on it and be like, oh, this guy is going to play so well in the playoffs a couple of years from now. And like, oh, let's keep him on the roster. You can't make those decisions like that. But it is kind of interesting to look back at hindsight and be like, oh, well, what if? Or maybe we should like, you know, really consider and. It's just so funny because it was your New England Patriots team that had this guy on their practice squad just two years ago, and now he's playing very well. Well, he played well in one game for a Washington football team that a lot of people didn't take seriously at the beginning of the year Do the whole name-changing thing and football team, whatever. It's just so funny. If it was any other team that had him on the practice squad two years ago, I probably wouldn't have him be disc- this conversation, but it's just it's an LOL moment when you had it this guy that played well and now you don't and you don't even have anybody matter of fact you don't have brady you're not bringing back newton you better not bring back newton stidham's probably not the answer that leaves brian hoyer (laughs) just kidding but where's heineke gonna go is he gonna stay in washington is he going to play for i don't know maybe the texans if they move on from watson Who knows is he going to play down in New Orleans because they kind of need a quarterback but they got Jameis Winston now or still I should say so it's one game has generated so much conversation and so much discussion where like I said the quarterback position is the most valuable and should be the most seriously discussed position on the field which quite frankly your New England Patriots did not do this past year when they should have it's so ironic. It's so ironic that we talk about how important the quarterback position is and how one guy played so well, who's now potentially jogging for a starting position elsewhere in the league or with the football team, and you're just stuck in the middle of purgatory with Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, and Brian Hoyer, while the guy that you let walk is one game away from the Super Bowl. It's... These stories just don't write themselves, and I hope that you 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 find this as funny as I do because it's so ironic, it's so so funny, and it's just something to just laugh and at Bill's face or the Patriots' face, whoever made the decision to let him walk, and you just got to applaud Brady, and you got to applaud Heineke. Meanwhile, the Patriots are just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. So yeah goodness I get fired up sometimes I get fired up with these these random topics and that's why I love the topic box which I'm going to try to come up with something because I think it deserves a little bit of a, a little bit of something um as I open it and just pull a topic out let's see put the box down oh I pulled two I pulled two okay we'll put that one back NFL draft early thoughts okay so I kind of talked about this in the first episode where I think the Patriots should do however I do want to kind of talk about maybe the top top five I mean I feel like that's where the, a lot of the noise is really made and then this is a conversation that's going to develop over time so I just kind of want to briefly touch upon it I know I kind of indulged in it in the first episode when I was talking about who should be the second quarterback taken um, obviously number one the Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence but number two the Jets could either go with quarterback, they can go with offensive lineman and Sewell, which I think would be a smart decision. If they're not sold on Darnold, then who do they go with quarterback? Do they go with Wilson? Do they go with Fields? I don't know. It just, what are they going to value? Do they think that Sam Darnold brings something to the table and they just need to kind of build around him? Or do they just want to hit the hard reset, bring in somebody, trade Darnold, who knows that's going to be something to monitor throughout the um, remainder of the off season until the draft in late April. As we move down to the Miami Dolphins, I think wide receiver is the way to go. I think they'd be stupid to draft a quarterback the year after they took to a uh, number five. I think drafting a wide receiver, whether it's DeMar Chase or Devonte Smith is the way to go. I mean, they have a good team down there. Their defense is nice their offense is building. They got Tua. Uh, if you just surround them with a couple pieces, I mean, they got something down there. I mean, maybe bringing a an uh, experienced running back to kind of complement their young guys that they just plugged in play due to injury. And also bringing in that wide receiver will kind of help fix that um, void that they had in the passing game because of those injuries suffered at wide receiver. Bringing in a Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith alongside Devontae Parker, that that's, it. you know, now, you got Tua, and then you got Jasecki, and the running backs to flank out. That's a good offense that's boiling right there. So, that's the direction I think the Dolphins should go. If they trade Tua for Deshaun Watson, that just makes it even better. But they're probably going to have to give up that three overall pick in order to get Watson. That's a conversation for another day. Um, I'm not going to anticipate any trades right now in my early thoughts. I'm just going to look at it for what it says um, in quoting for the draft order. The Atlanta Falcons. They got an aging Matt Ryan. Do they bring in someone to kind of have behind them to kind of tutor them until Matt Ryan's done? And then you got the next guy. All I know is they don't need a wide receiver. What they have when they have Julio, they got Calvin Ridley, obviously. So where do you really go? The defense, you know, kind of struggled as well, especially late in those fourth quarters when they'd give up leads. But it's just one of those things. Is what do you value most? Do you value the next guy after Matt Ryan? Because you have a quarterback for the next for this year, next year probably the year after that, who can play at a high level, but do you bring in someone to kind of you know, train, to kind of practice, to kind of tutor for the next guy, um, to be the next guy, I should say, or do you kind of draft and try to build now? Now you still got the Saints, you still got the Bucks in that division, so it's hard, so it's just kind of your mentality of where you want to go. Do you bring in the next guy and kind of hit the reset button, or do you try to, like I said, build now and be competitive, something that they're going to have to do? Um, moving down to number five at the Bengals. I think they got the pieces on offense. They should probably look at defense maybe. Um, if Sewell's on the board, which kind of kind of depends on what the Jets do, to be honest, if Jets don't take him, then I can see him fall into five. Um, Bengals should try to protect Joe Barrow as much as possible. They obviously don't need a quarterback. They don't really need a wide receiver either when they have T. Higgins, um, A.J. Green, a shell of A.J. Green, I should say. They still have John Ross. People forget about him. He was a first-round wide receiver at one time. So I think the Bengals have a lot of good pieces, at least on offense. Their defense isn't that bad either. They just got to kind of support what they have, and I think protecting Burrow with Sewell, or they could even go, like I said, on uh, defense as well. Getting a linebacker would even be a smart route to go to kind of just uh, solidify that defensive core interesting for the Bengals scene they had the number one overall pick last year they have the five this year that afc north could easily be up for grabs if big ben retires you can expect the steelers to take a step back um the the ravens are kind of uh, what are they doing i mean they struggled a lot this year so and then the browns the browns are the browns i guess right so it's gonna be something interesting to look at as well as the bengals try to compete with that division especially having a younger team a younger unit and a lot of promise they really do eagles at number six i think the obvious pick here is a wide receiver they had no outside threat at all whether it was Wentz or Hertz throwing the ball they got a quarterback whether they go with Wentz or Hertz they got the running game their offensive line is really good when they're all healthy i know they were plugging and playing them all year but if they can get healthy they're one of the best offensive lines in the league yes they are a very older offensive line so that's something to consider but When all is right on that um, Philadelphia line, nails. Let me tell you, they're nails. So getting, excuse me, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or um, one of the two that's maybe still on the board or maybe they're both gone, go with Waddle there, is something that they should really consider just to kind of help whoever their quarterback's going to be just to help generate that offense because their defense wasn't terrible this year. They had their moments um, of being really good being really bad but every team goes through that so it's just what do you really really want to work on here to kind of build on and if they go with hurts then giving him another weapon is just going to kind of just boost your confidence and his confidence with the offense and if you stick with Wentz just kind of give him another weapon to make another run at it with Wentz is also the way to go as well Detroit Lions this is an interesting one as well because they have Matthew Stafford so they don't need a quarterback could they trade Stafford and draft a quarterback? Sure. Hit the reset button there. Try to look forward to the next couple of years. Maybe wait for uh, Rodgers to retire. Wait for Cousins to fall off a cliff. Who knows? Um. So what do you do here? Do you go wide receiver? Do you go with uh, a quarterback? Do you go defense? I think the defense isn't terrible. I mean, granted, half the players on their defense are expatriate players, but... I think you need to give um, that quarterback weapons, whether it's Stafford or someone else. Now, if they trade Stafford, obviously they need to draft a quarterback. I don't think they would trade Stafford without wanting to draft a quarterback. So, next couple weeks, months, whatever. If you see Stafford out the door, they're taking a quarterback at seven. I assure you that. If they keep, um, if they keep Stafford, then they would be smart to go with the wide receiver here. It seems like at this point, Jalen Waddle will probably be the last one on the board out of those three wide receivers: Smith, Chase, and now Waddle. It's just going to be something interesting to kind of see play because they're one of those teams that are like, "What do you do? You got a couple pieces, but you just got to kind of, I would say, you know, either retool or hit the reset button." And I think their situation with Stafford is kind of uh, going to tell tell their hand here. And if they do trade Stafford, conversation for uh, another day. I would love to see him go to the Patriots. I think he'd be a good fit here, especially if the Patriots aren't going to draft a damn quarterback this year, which they didn't do last year. So why should I believe that they'll take one this year? The Carolina Panthers, quarterback. I don't think Terry, uh, Terry Bridgewater is the answer. I think going with whoever's left on the board between uh, Fields, Wilson, Trask, Lance, Jones, I think a quarterback's the way to go. They got some nice pieces at wide receiver. If they can bring back Samuel, they got CMC, obviously. They got a really good defense. They took all defensive players in last year's draft, so I don't think they're going to take any defensive players in the first round or maybe even the second or third round. Quarterback, even if you want to go with Bridgewater for one more year, bring in a guy, and have him sit the first half, and then you know have him play the second half depending where you are in the season. But I think drafting the next guy for the Carolina Panthers is the way to go because rich water is not the answer uh, long term as much as fans love teddy two Gloves, he's not the guy denver broncos they have a lot of problems so let's just be honest they got drew at quarterback good player nice guy he's got that swag he's got that want to be it factor but i mean they took two wide receivers in the first and second round last year hamler and jerry judy so they're obviously all set there they got gordon they got um Phillip Lindsay, a running back, they're good there. Where was their biggest problem? It was on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, They traded away Chris Harris to the Chargers. You got to go defense here. Whether it's the front seven or the secondary, I don't really care. They need help on defense because their defense was abysmal, let me tell you. And then rounding out the top 10 with the Dallas Cowboys, what do you do? What do you do with Dak? I think that's going to be the big tell there. If they bring Dak back, I think they go defense to kind of solidify that defense, which was also disgraceful. Um, They got Elliott. They got Pollard. Or Pollard, excuse me. They got the three wide receivers. Um, Defense, cornerback, secondary, somewhere around there is probably what they should be looking at because their front seven is, or I should say their front four at least, is pretty solid. So you can either go Farley or ascertain just to kind of depends on what you're feeling there either one's a great pick i'm more of a fan of certain but if you go farley there I, I i can't complain either so that's what i think my nfl draft early thoughts and i can definitely do a mock draft maybe dedicate an episode to a whole mock draft but i mean that may bore a lot of people so you're just gonna have to let me know what you think if you want me to uh, cover the whole first round i absolutely will If not, then I won't, but I try to want to keep this energized and entertaining and I kind of just blurred for 10 picks. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this, um, this episode here covered a variety of topics. I definitely love the little draft where I'm covering more than just the quarterback and, you know, the quarterback position, the quarterback carousel that we can expect early in the first round, kind of indulging in the other teams involved in the first round as well is definitely something interesting but let me know what you guys are thinking with these topics. Like I said, I wrote a bunch of topics before I started this podcast and I threw them in the topic box. I just kind of want to see if you guys are enjoying these topics that I'm discussing. If not, let me know. If you are, I would love to know. Um, If you have any topic ideas that you'd like me to discuss about in either next episode on Friday or episodes in the future, just let me know. If If you're watching on YouTube, comment down below what you want me to talk about. If you're watching on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, wherever I'm there, then just tweet at me at Murphs underscore Boston ST. You can DM me on Instagram too, at Murphs underscore Boston ST as well. Just to let me know, just to see how you guys are enjoying the topics I'm discussing, because like I said, it's unscripted, so it's just coming out of this box right here. Those are all my topics that I'm just kind of that i was shaking in the box and i just pull a couple out of them that's gonna do it for this episode i really hope you enjoyed it and i'm gonna see you guys on friday enjoy your hump day hopefully my podcast is helping you through the week and when i see you on friday hopefully you had a great week but until then shia.